Thank you so much for joining us here at Word Baptist Church. I'm Jamar Andrews. I'm the lead pastor, and I get the great privilege of shepherding here. I'm excited that you're joining us today for this sermon. You're about to receive text-driven preaching. My prayer is that God speaks to you through this time as you listen to this message. So enjoy, and God bless. I want to invite you to open your Bibles uh, to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 is where we will spend our time together this morning. Uh, but before we get there, I do want to extend a happy Mother's Day to you, to our mothers that are here. And uh, we will be continuing our series, Worship is Warfare. And uh, I like to call this the Mother's Day edition. And, uh, and so we have been uh, working through Malachi, uh, but we're going to pull out of Malachi to just have a focused look Uh, on God's plan for how he wants to use mothers and women alike uh, for his glory in this battle that we fight uh, to see his name be made known and his grace and goodness uh, to be shared and spread uh, throughout this globe. And so today we're going to take a short detour uh, out of Malachi uh, into Titus to be able to do that and uh, looking at the Lord's faithfulness uh, out of all the things that he designed and desired to put in his word, uh, it always fascinates me that the Lord would take time to give specific instructions about how our lives should be lived, the things that we should be about, uh, male and female, husband and wife, father and mother. And today, we're going to take a very detailed look, an encouraging look, I hope, uh, at the Lord as he has laid out his plan uh, for sisters, for women, for mothers. And uh, when I think about this particular uh, topic, it makes me think about the fact that women are utilized greatly by God throughout history. Uh, All you have to do is just turn the first few couple pages in your Bible and you'll find that. And so the title of today's message is Warriors for the Kingdom. That whenever I think about mothers, I think about women, we're going to be looking at worship as warfare and we're gonna be focusing in on the fact that God intends you to be warriors for his kingdom. Now, I know that many times when we think about moms, you know, we think about the love and the encouragement and the way in which they treat us and they they love us and they make lunches for us and all those things, and and those things are true. Uh, But I believe that God has intended for mothers and for women to have a very specific purpose in his redemptive kingdom and story to see that lives be impacted and transformed. And so we know that today, this is the time we celebrate this. But I know that people are coming in from different backgrounds and and expressions. They've been dealing with different circumstances and heartaches. And so I find that the word of God is going to be the best place to be able to deal with all the different and unique circumstances that sit in this room this morning. You see, it's no secret that the enemy loves to attack women. Uh, In Genesis 3, we find that very reality where our adversary uh, slithered uh, into the garden and began a dialogue and a conversation with our way, way, way back first mama, Eve. I like to call her big mama. I don't know if y'all do or not, but, uh, you know, when I think of Eve, big mama, you know. And so we see at the very onset of human history that the enemy had a strategy and a plan Uh, to bring in an evil agenda. And I believe that his plan is still the same, that he wants to continue to destroy and to distract 
and to distort God's plan. And so I believe that the Lord knows this and he understands the pressure and the difficulties that you face, sisters. And as we go through this message, I hope that you will find this to be encouraging. You'll find it to be challenging. Uh, Brothers, you can be praying because I'm I'm sharing here, Uh, but I think this is something for us as well. As we think about the mothers that we have, maybe, you know, we're married, our wives, our mothers, or maybe they want to be, different circumstances. I find that there can be a lot of pressure, a lot of difficulties. And there are a lot of people that weigh in in the conversation of what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a mother, whether it's books or magazines or television shows, whether it's social media folks or people you follow on Instagram to get ideas about being a mom. There are many voices in this conversation, but I find that the best and the most consistent and the most faithful is God's voice. So we're gonna look to his word this morning. We're gonna see that he took the time and we recognize that for this next generation, it's important that you hear this and for the past generations, it's important that you're reminded of this. You see, what we're going to find is that God has a specific role, one that starts internally and that ultimately moves you forward. Because at the end of the day, I believe he sees you as warriors for the kingdom. It's amazing to me the, roles that, the role that a mother plays. You know, there's a part of my life now that um, is very special. I get to coach a t-ball team. You know, there's a lot of similarities between coaching a three-year-old, four-year-old t-ball team and pastoring the church. But I'll save, you, I'll save you all the details. But one thing that is standing out to me as I'm coaching these three and four little boys, man, they love their mamas. And it's amazing to me that dad is out there and, we, you know, we're trying to teach them the fundamentals of the game. And midway in the game, they'll look at me and say, can I go sit by my mom? And of course, I got to be a good coach and tell them, no, you can't go sit over there. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> of course, you can go. But I just think about that, that no matter how far away they get, the game is going on, the heat of battle, and mom is always on the mind. And I understand that there's some important traits and some important things, the reason why that is, the nurture and the care and the love. But I know that that's not everybody's experience. And so I want to just take some time to lay out for us three reasons why I believe that you are warriors for the kingdom. The first, you'll see it on your handout there, is that God has designed you to train and to train others from the life experiences that you have. And we're going to get there here in just a minute. That's good or bad. The second thing is he's called you to fight for your family. And then lastly, we're going to see that he has called you to honor God, honor your general, honor your leader with your life. And so in this passage, we're going to see, I believe, some key things that help us to be able to navigate very specifically through all these voices, all these things that are trying to get your attention, trying to establish an identity for you, trying to call you to live a certain way. And I believe that God has spoken. And I hope you've had an opportunity to find Titus. I'm going to read our passage, and then we're going to break it out together. In Titus chapter 2, verses 3, 4, and 5, lay out this way, it says this, older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, 
being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. You see, I believe these three movements will allow us to understand, I believe, God's role and his plan when it comes to this battle that you face. The first movement I want us to look at is in verse three. It lays out for us a fourfold process, a fourfold process by which God lays this out. Now, you see that word older women, I'm gonna let you decide that age. I'm not gonna get into that this morning on whether or not you have crossed the line into being an older woman. So I'm I'm gonna let you handle that. I, I intend to spend a good Mother's Day with my wife. I don't need anybody beating me up after the service. So I'm gonna let you assess that. But what we do see is that wherever you are in life, there tends to be someone younger than you. So let's just make that case this morning that there are women that are younger than you and in in your life, what God has said to you is to have these four qualities when it comes to the next round of women that are coming up after you. And we're gonna look at them. I'm gonna just give them to you quickly if you're taking notes. He calls you to be reverent, truthful, understand that there are influences that try to control you and make sure that you're willing to teach what is good. So we're going to see those four things. And when we lay these out, then we will apply them. The first is, he says, to be reverent. This has to do with the behavior, reverent in your behavior, meaning your lifestyle should be appropriate for temple services where this word comes from. And so meaning the way in which you carry yourself, the behaviors, your character should be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever you think about God, he has an established standard for the way in which you act, the way in which you live your life. And so you want to have a lifestyle that follows and matches the standard of sanctified worship that fits into the mold of holiness. And that's what he's calling for, holiness. Next, he says not to be malicious gossips and that has to do with how we handle the truth how we deal with the truth Uh, this word this this section here is where we get our word devil from in the English and so he says don't be a devil but tell the truth don't be a malicious gossip you see God loves the truth and when we think of this he says our lives sister should not uh, your, your life should not be about picking up gossip and spreading gossip And so whenever I think about this, I think about sicknesses like a cold, right? You know, you pass along that that virus, you pass it along as it goes. And so in our lives, God has said, don't allow your life to be a safe haven, a safe place for the sin of gossip to come alongside and pick it up and pass it along like sicknesses are done. But he also says in this, love the truth. Then he says, don't be enslaved to much wine, which has to do with the uh, controlling influences of your life, that whenever God looks at your life, that he wants you to be aware that there are influences that seek to control your mindset and your heart set, your mindset and your heart's disposition. And so in this battle that is warfare, he wants to make sure that you know that the course of your life, God is seeking to set, and there are influences and elements that are outside that want to get inside that will reshape the way in which you view things. And he's saying, make sure you understand that these things are not to have control of your life. The next movement, he says, teach what is good. This is the idea of giving practical wisdom, spiritual wisdom. Now, I like to say that wisdom is truth with legs on it. 
And whenever you think about wisdom, truth with legs on it, that means that you have been able to hear the truth, understand the truth, and ultimately you have lived it out. You have walked it out in a way that it has been beneficial to not only you, but to those that are around you. And so he calls you to be women that, that, that grow in wisdom, that you have truth with legs on it. And ultimately what he's laying out for us is that these four things, these movements are more caught than they are taught. That when you look at the life, we, we can talk the talk, but the question is, is, sisters, do you walk the walk that God, when he wired you together, when he made you, he had an intent purpose for you and he wants to see you move and operate in that purpose. Now, I wanna give you some examples and now we're gonna have a good time. I've laid out the framework here but if you're taking notes, I just want you to jot down 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, because I, I want to do my best to give out the word of God, but also give an example of how this looks. You see, I know that there are some moms in here, and you might be a single mom. And this time in your life, things are very difficult, and you're wrestling through things, but can I tell you, you can have a significant impact. There was a young man by the name of Timothy. We don't know a whole lot about his daddy other than the fact that his daddy was not a Jew that his daddy was, was, was a Gentile. We don't know necessarily whether his pops was in his life or not, but from historically speaking, doesn't look like his dad was in his life. And so when the apostle Paul writes back and he's writing to Timothy, he makes this reference to two women, two women in Timothy's life that made an impact. And we are still talking about it today. He says this, for I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, talking about Timothy, meaning there some, there's some things that are down in you, Timothy, some sincere things, some things that are true, and guess how they got there? Well, number one, it first was in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. You catch that? And notice this, and I am sure that it is in you as well. You see, sisters, when I think about this idea of God's plan for you to be able to pass along these four traits, these things that he is calling you to, it, it, we, we come from different circumstances, different backgrounds, but the impact and the way in which you do it can be seen and known and felt. And I believe that Timothy is a great example. We see his grandmother laying down to his mother and then ultimately down to the son. And that's the role we see. But we also see that I believe that these influences and these life experiences should be shared whether they are good or bad. Like, like many times, you know, sisters, you go through things and you go through trials and difficulties and hardships and sometimes you feel like your credibility is not good enough that nobody wants to listen to you. Like when you think about your life, maybe it's your marriage or maybe it's you, you, the way you raise your kids and you've made mistakes and I always just love to do this. Can anybody raise your hand in here if you've never made a mistake in here? Let me just... Anybody? Okay. Fantastic. Good to know who I'm dealing with in here. And so many times, sisters, you wrestle with this idea of being willing to pass down to the next generation because you look at your life and maybe you look at your kids and you look at your circumstances, you look at your marriage and you look at your life and your household and you think, look, I don't need to be telling anybody anything. I'm just trying to keep my stuff together, right? And, and before you even get a chance to get in the race good, you have already disqualified yourself. And what I find is, is that sisters around you, and there are many, they are looking for somebody not that's perfect, that's got it all together. They need somebody that's got some scars on them that can help them. You see, what I find is, when I go to the gym, listen, if, if I walk into a gym and it's smelling good and looking good and clean, I'm like, I'm not using this gym. I need to smell sweaty. I need to know some work is going on up in here, okay? 
If I walk up to a mechanic and I shake his hand, his hand clean like he's been working in office, I'm not using that mechanic. You hear what I'm trying to tell you? I need a mechanic with some, some grease. I need to know you've been in somebody under somebody's hood. You hear what I'm trying to tell you? You know, I walk in, we walk into a restaurant and the cook come out and the cook all clean. Speak. No, no, I need flour on your face. I need to know you're doing something in there. And I believe that the same is true when it comes to the way in which information, truth, spiritually, and wisdom practically is passed down, sisters. Just because your family wasn't perfect, hey, join the club. I believe that God has worked in your life in such a way that you still have something to offer to the next generation, whether good or bad, meaning you have experienced something bad and you can help walk with them to help prevent that. Or you've experienced something good and you can help infuse that to see that be a part of who they are. You see, I believe worship is warfare and God wants to use you greatly in this endeavor. Not only that, though, I believe that when you look at the issues of pain and failure, what the Bible emphatically shows us time after time is that God can not only use our pain and struggle, but he can also bless us through the process as we work through it. You know, many people question whether or not God is serious about women and his love for women. Can I tell you that two books in the Old Testament named after sisters, right? And I'm just going to use one of them as an example, the book of Ruth. And when you look at Ruth's life, what you're going to find is, is, is a sister that went through a lot of pain and difficulty. Her husband died. She was not from the area. She moved with her mother-in-law. She had to figure out how she's going to provide and to live and to survive. And out of all this difficulty, out of all this pain, you see God's faithfulness in and through her life. And subsequently, the Lord just decided that the Messiah would come through her lineage. How about that? So when you think about your life, when you think about how things work, I find that God can not only use, but he can even bless and work in the midst of the difficulties, sister. Can I just get practical here just for a quick little minute? You see, I believe that if we're going to be willing to pass these things down, to be reverent, to be truthful, to understand the controlling influences that are around us and to be willing to teach, I think we have to be willing to get together, weekly meetings intentionally coming together and focusing not on the problem so much as God's promises. You see, sisters, I find that that's what God is desiring to do, that when you be willing to connect your life with another sister that's not perfect, just like you're not perfect, and you had that weekly connection, it's not so much that you focus on the hardships and the things that have happened to you, although I believe that can be a part of the conversation, but it's very important that you take your eyes up and you put them on God and his promises and allow him to move you in this season and this time in your life. You see, what I find is, as many times, however you define older woman, I, I didn't want to do that because I don't want y'all to get mad at me, but however you defined it, what I want you to hear me say to you is that as you get into life and you begin to move on, your work is not done. God has not put you on the shelf just because your hair might have turned white and gray. You got highlights and didn't even ask for them. You hear me? He's not done with you. And he can use your life. Your work is not finished. Can I just speak to my grandmas in the room? Can I just see you by show of hands? Let me see the grandmas in the room. Fantastic. You know how you can tell a grandma, a kid just walked by and, and their two teeth get rocked because they spoiled them so bad. That's a grandma. I said, I always tell a grandma. You just, a child walked by you and they already spoiled, right? My grandma's in the room. I just want to encourage you here for a minute that your work is not finished. In this process of reverence, truth, and controlling influences and teaching is just as real now as it has ever been for you. And in this season, in this season, it, it's not just your job to spoil the babies. I know that comes with it, though. I come with the territory, right? 
I have several grandmas, and my mama is a grandma, so I know how you roll in here, okay? Telling a grandma not to spoil her grandbabies is like trying to tell water not to be wet. You hear what I'm telling you? But here's the piece to it, though. We have to be willing to understand that you have to work by a set of new rules as a grandmother. A set of new rules in which healthy boundaries are established, strong accountability is, is open and acceptance is a part of your relationship and you recognize that it is your role to pass down the heritage, the legacy and the values and you model it by love and encouragement. Now I know I hit that quick so let me just throw it to you one more time. That in this season, in this season of your life, the heritage is past, the legacy is past, the values are past, and you do it with love and encouragement. So you have a great platform. You don't have to be, you know, mama again. You get to be grandmama, okay? That, that carries a status of weight with it that brings honor, love, and respect. And so as we look to this, number one, worship is warfare, recognize that God wants to use you to train others from your life's experience. The second thing he desires to do is for you to fight for your family. Now, many times when we think about warriors, we think about fighting, we think most of the time, you know, like that's the man's job, okay? And, and, and I'm gonna just tell you on the front end, I started to preach a different message today. If you have a chance, just go over to Judges 4. There's a sister by the name of, of Jael, J-A-E-L, and she was a bad sister. You hear me? Bad as in good. And there's an account of wherever, where a guy was trying to cause harm to, to her people, and he came into her tent. He picked the wrong tent that day. And he came in and said, I need a drink of water. And she gave him some milk and some heavy and put him to sleep and took a tent peg and put it through his temple and murked him just like that. And I thought, what? Well, that's a warrior fight. You hear me right there? And I don't know. That just gives everybody warm, fuzzy feelings on Mother's Day. So I said, no, we probably better not preach. We probably better not do that. <laughs> but the premise is still the same, though, in this worship is warfare. I believe that you have a, a fantastic and a mighty role when it comes to fighting this fight. And I want, to, I want you to see it very clearly how it's laid out in Titus. Titus 4 says this, after we look at those four things, says this, so that they may encourage the young women to number one, do what? Love their husbands. And secondly, to love their children. Now here's the deal. We have to understand that your marriage is one of the greatest weapons to fight against the enemy. And whenever we think about this, now understand, for the majority of you, you are a wife before you are a mother. Now, I know that that's not always the circumstances. That wasn't my circumstance with my mom. So I know that that's not how everybody is. I know that that's not the dynamics, but let me just speak to it this way because this is the way in which the, 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 the text lays out that you are a wife before you are a mom. And so thus, one of the greatest things you can give to your children and to those in your family is a great marriage, a plan of action, you see, you must be willing to accept God's purpose for your marriage. And when I say that, that you have a godly perspective of vision, role, expectations, differences, communication, and recognize there will be conflict. You know, I get the chance to do premarital counseling all the time, and I, this is probably my favorite part, to look at a brand new couple. They looking at each other like, you look so good, you just so pretty. We just, we just enjoying each other. We just enjoying you and Jesus, you and Jesus. That's all I need right now, okay? And I love to look at that couple 
And I love to tell them that one day you're going to look at them and be like, what did I do? Did I, what happened? Okay. And they just look at me. When I say that, they look at me like I have some appendage growing out of my ear when I say that to them. Because they cannot, for the, for the life of them, imagine, you mean I'm going to feel this way about this one? Yes. And more. All right. You hear what I'm telling you? And so when we think about this issue, the, one of the things that you pass down, sisters, is this understanding about the dynamics of marriage. And this is a beautiful thing, and it's an important thing, because can I just tell you, God, God is serious about it. In Ephesians 5.31, he reminds us of this cause, says this, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Like, that's God's idea. And so when it comes to the family, the, the marriage first, you have to be willing to continue to invest in your marriage, even as a mother. You know, I, I like to say it this way. From our text, when he says at first, he says, make sure that they love their husbands. Because what normally happens is, is when you have your child, this little child is depending on you for everything. And he or she is just so cute. You know what I'm saying? You look at your husband, like, you don't smell like this. You know what I'm saying? You don't sound like this. You just don't, you know, you just don't. You don't look like this, right? That's just this part of your mom's. I know I've watched it. I've watched my mom. I've seen how she handles my, my children. I've watched my wife. I've, I've seen all these pieces, right? And I look at this and I think about this fact that, listen, we got to fight for our families. And the first piece, you got to fight for your marriage. Even when good things come in, they bring a whole lot of pressure to that relationship. That baby in that crib just ooing and on and cooing and on. And you just, yes, all right? But that's also a time where your marriage will be most challenged. And can I just get real with you just here for a minute? Your husband in those moments probably needs you more at that moment than any other. And he has to understand that the struggle that you are in. You know, from a realistic standpoint, the freedoms and the time and the extra money, that's not what extra money, that's going to diapers over there, okay. What freedom? We got to watch this baby. We can't. What, what, what freedom you talking about? We used to just get up and roll over to Memphis. You used to get up and roll over. What you hungry for? We could just ride around the city until you decide. We can't do that now. Okay. Right. There, there were just, there, there are a whole lot of dynamics that have shifted. And so can I tell you, when he says to love, love your husbands, what he's saying is, is make time for your marriage. In the midst of all things you do, understand, it's a tough line. But he's saying make time for your marriage. Have communication and commitment. And in the midst of that, understand that it's going to be a tough battle. I know, I've seen it. The sleepless nights, you're exhausted. But can I tell you, one of the things that will infuse you in your motherhood is staying commit, committed to the first commitment you made. And that was to your husband. So there are just a couple things. Man, if you are in the room, just hear me for a minute how we can help our wives, especially some Mother's Day, apart from doing whatever they ask us today. Let me just challenge you for a minute. Make sure that you intentionally schedule getaways with, for them and for you. And can I just tell you, when you first have your child, they're going to probably look at you like, have you lost your mind when you say, hey, I want to get you away from that child for about two hours? We ain't never let anybody watch out, baby. I know they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. But as long as you try to make sure that you schedule it, because if you're waiting on them most times, brother, it's not because they don't love you. They still love you but they just got this heart for this child. Make sure you invest money in your bride. 
I'm not saying you got to be bankroll fresh and rolling in dough, you know what I'm saying? But make sure in your budget you allocate some money to be able to invest in your bride. Make sure that you serve the king together. Make that an intentional priority. You see, what most marriages fail to realize is, is that not only the couple that prays together stays together, but the couple that plays together stays together as well. So the way I like to look at it, the two Ps, we're going to pray and play. That's the two Ps in our marriage. And when you think about this, these dynamics, make sure you get engaged in serving the king together because now you'll be making an eternal purpose. He says very clearly, number one, sisters, you fight for your marriage. But number two, did you catch it? He says also love your children. Love your children. Now, I know that there are different seasons and dynamics and your babies don't stay your babies even though they're your babies. That makes sense? All right, I know I just confuse everybody in here. Your babies don't stay your babies even though they are still your babies. They grow up. And so I just want to lay out some encouragement for the different seasons. And the way I look at it, I look at three different movements, three different movements. You have five and under, five to 12, and 12 until they have children. Let's just look at those. You see, in this movement where he says, love your children, most of the time that's a natural thing and sometimes you can wrestle through it, but you, but you love your children, but sometimes we don't have a plan to know how to do it. And so in this movement from five and under, I want you to think crockpot in here, all right? This is the slow love. Whenever we think about investing and engaging in your children, I want you to think time and attention that this moment, this movement, we got moms in here, you have children five and under, you know exactly what I'm talking about. A a child that's five and under is slow loving a child that's five and under. Everything seems so, everything seems to take two times as long to get dressed, to get ready, to get in the car, to get to where you're going. Everything is longer. So can I just tell you the encouraging part about this is let your love be longer. Think crockpot love, slow love. You see, love is shaping your child. And so can I just give you some encouragement because you're going to feel all the pressures pulling at you. I jotted down because I didn't want to forget it. Number one, be there, pace your life, and make sure you have a kingdom focus. If I would encourage you, be there, set the pace of your life, and have a kingdom focus. See, there are going to be so many things coming and going all the time. If you don't set the pace, you will be taken over by the pace. Pace your life. You see, this one is characterized by soul love, crockpot love. From 5 to 12, when you think of this love, this love has to do with recognizing and honoring the way in which God has designed your children. Can you do me a favor and just jot down Proverbs 22, 6, and I just want to read this as we encourage it this morning. See that word train right there? Train up a child in the way he should go. It's a very important dynamic there. It means according to their bent that whenever God wired them together, they came in pre-wired, pre-packaged, all right? It was already wired and they had a certain bent to them. And so what you want to do is in this season from 5 to 12 is you want to learn that bent. You want to learn how God has wired them, learn how God has made them. And I watch this right here is where I'm at right now. And can I just tell you, I want my daughter who is six, I want her to be rooting, tooting, rough, tough, snorting, ready to fight you if you step up. But that is not who she is. (laughs) I'm like, baby, you're not from the hood, okay? You just not, you know, you just ain't got that in you. You know what I mean? That's just, it's just good to know. You know, we might live by the hood, but you're not from it. You hear what I'm telling you? 
That's just not who you are. And it doesn't matter how much, how much I wrestle with her. It doesn't matter how much I try to do to get her rough tough. That's just not who, Ferdinand. You hear what I'm trying to tell you? That just, it is what it is, okay? <laughs> and so I believe when God notices verse six, when we train them up the way they should go means according to their bent, you, we, we need to know them. And we need to study them, get to know them, and allow their personality, their identity to be how we cultivate. Many times we try to take our personality the way we desire them to be, and we try to press it on them. And can I just encourage you? He says, train them up in that bent that way, and then when he's old, will not depart from it. See, the way I like to characterize this type of love is not like crockpot love, but more like police escort love. Anybody ever had a police escort? I love a police escort. I'm trying to tell you right now. We can roll and ain't nobody going to tell me nothing, right? I can do what I want. They, I got the escort. He flying, I'm flying. That's the way it works, right? But, but the idea of the police escort is not that your child is not involved in the process because you still drive, but that you are, you are trying to make sure that the things that will come to wreck that life, the things that will try to come to destroy that life are, are, are held in check, and so in this season, sisters, I just want you to hear me, your life, some call it mama bear. That's fine if you want to use that. But it's more like police escort than crockpot. The next movement when he says love our children, I believe just practically, I'm trying to throw it to you practically, is that whenever you think police escort love, that, that means to love them physically, emotionally, educationally, morally, socially, spiritually. And ultimately, that all drives from your devotion to the Lord. As you escort them, as you escort them through the lanes of life, that's where you're trying to arrive. Next is young adult. You see, this is when things change. And you have to make a change as you love your children as adults. Now, here's the thing. I, I don't have an adult child to love, but I am an adult child that's been loved. And so I'm just going to lay out some things just from my perspective here. That, that things have to change here and you have to be careful not to over-nurture, you know. If Barbara was in here, that's my mom's name, you know, I'd look at her right now and say, you know, we, we have conversations all the time about mom needs you to back up, okay? You, you know, many times she'll ask me, you know, she'll come see me and uh, she'll say things like, you need me to, you know, get you a drink out of it? No, I'm good, mama, I'm good. You need me to cut up your, don't cut nothing up. I know how to work a knife, how you, how you think I live? You know, <laughs> You know, we'll be driving, and I back out of the driveway, and I hadn't put my seatbelt on yet. Put your seatbelt on. <laughs> we got any mamas in here like that? Any, any over and over mama? Let me just see. I appreciate that. Thank you for your honesty. I appreciate that. You know, you and Barbara, y'all can sit right together. Y'all can nurture each other, okay? That's what I say. <laughs> but in this season, there has to be a transition. And that's just this tendency to want to over-nurture, right? You feel like this vacuum, you know, we, I'm not with you all the time. I don't see you all the time. And there are many times I look at my mom and say, Mama, how do you think I survive when you're not here? How do you think that happens? You know, when I go overseas, I go on mission trips, I do, I say, how do you think I'm living over there? How do you think that's happening, right? And in, in this season, what I have learned to do is that's who she is. So I have to make sure I turn and say, the way in which I survive, how do you think, number one, the Lord is taking care of me, and you did a great job raising me. So just trust your work. You ain't got to keep working. You know what I'm saying? You know, once the masterpiece is put together, you ain't got to keep coming with the chisel. You know what I'm saying? Just trust the work, all right? So in this section, in this time, trust the work. Trust those moments. 
Trust it. Parenting style has to shift. You don't want to be over nurturing in this season. The last thing I want to see in terms of the warfare is to honor God with your life. Honor God with your life. Notice what he says in verse five. He says to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands. Uh-oh, we starting a fight on Mother's Day so that the word of God will not be dishonored. So when we look at these things, he gives us some more, some more ways in which you to, are to craft your life. And let's just look at the first one. To be sensible means to have common sense or good judgment. So when you think about your life, I know that common sense is not, not all that common in our day. But what he's saying is to have a good judgment about you, that when you think about life, that you move in a sensible way, a, a good judgment type of way, that a, a, a balanced movement, a balanced way. This idea of pure, pure means to live above reproach and has to do with faithfulness. That your life, if you want to know what you should hang your hat on, apart from the other four things or five that we've had before this, looking at sensible, pure, meaning a life that is, is, is laid out in terms of faithfulness to God and to the one you love and are married to. Faithfulness. Then he says workers at home. This means that the base of operation, even though you might work outside the home, that you understand that there's a place in which you affect and you have direct influence and that's in the home, that this is your base of operation. You might work 45 hours outside the home, but there's still a base of operation internally in the home that you still want to cultivate and be a part of setting the culture and the atmosphere of. And then he says, be kind. That means to be considerate, gracious, merciful, gentle. Then he says to be subject to your husband. Now notice this, he didn't say to every other man. Who did he say to? Your husband. Did y'all catch that? And so when he says this, this has to do with more attitude than action. But this is what I've always found is that my attitude leads to my actions. And so that's what he's calling for here. This has nothing to do with inferiority or ability or skill set or intellect. This has to do with office. And so he calls you to come in underneath the leadership. And so let's just parse this out or pull this out just for a minute here. Whenever it comes to warfare and the way in which we engage, sisters, how you will engage, number one, good judgment, being willing to look at life. And one of the things I love about T-ball is there is nobody calling balls and strikes. You hear what I'm trying to tell you? Because I know if there was an umpire calling balls and strikes, I would argue. Can I just tell you that? I know me too well. Like, bro, what, did you, what are you looking at? Did you see what I saw? Okay. So when he says good judgment, meaning that you're willing to look at life and based off of God's word and plan ability, you can call the balls and strikes of life. You're sensible, making good judgment. This idea of pure faithfulness, being willing to stay connected and committed. This idea of being a homemaker, don't let this throw you, that the base of operation is important here. And so I just want to give you an example here. When we look at Proverbs 31, because many people look at this and they think, God, this just means I have to be at the home solely or alone. But Proverbs 31, I want to look at this verses 12 through 16. This gives you a good framework. Talking about this type of woman in terms of her marriage, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. She's like a merchant ship. She brings her, you know, food from afar. She rises also while it's still night, gives food to her household, 
portion of her, her, her maidens. She considers a field, notice this, and does what? Buys it. Bankroll fresh sister, you know what I'm saying? Sugar mama type. From her, from whose earnings? Her earnings. She plants a vineyard. So understand, this is not just talking about the, the homemaker, but what he's saying is if, 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 even if outside, you still want to understand that's the base. You still have influence and operation internally in the home, and you get to set the culture and the tone. Now also, though, I want you to catch this. In 1 Timothy 4.12, I find that there's a great example because I can't leave my sisters out there that are not moms, my sisters out there that are not you know, married. I, I can't leave you out. And so I want to look at 1 Timothy 4.12. Then we'll get to that last one. 1 Timothy 4.12 says this. I believe this great example, he's talking to Timothy here, pastor here, but I believe this is a great example for how a life should be lived. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example to those who believe. And so when it comes to your life, understand it. I believe that your identity, what you do, should flow from who you are. And so whenever it comes to this war that you face, that we face, we understand that in this season, you can continue to cultivate character, develop it, the traits, the abilities, and you want to look for spiritual opportunities for kingdom service, allowing God to be the center of your life. You know, I also know that I'm talking to sisters out there that maybe you're a widow or maybe your, your, your family dynamics, your structure has changed significantly recently or in some times past. And so I just want to encourage you just for a minute not to forsake the future for the past. See, sometimes because of what you've gone through, sometimes it's easy to look to the future and say, no, I'm not going to invest because of the hardships and the heartaches of your past. But can I just tell you, I believe that God will use you greatly in this season, whether it's with your grandchildren or other people's children or your friends or, or people that you want to connect with in the local assembly, that there is kingdom work to be done and that he wants to use you to do it. You see, there's a, a framework in 1 Timothy 5.10 that I think can be utilized in your life. And before I read it, I just want to encourage you here that most of the time what happens is that when, whenever you, you, you find yourself in this state or this season of life as a mom or as a woman, sometimes you feel like your best life is behind you. And can I tell you, I always think about my car whenever I, whenever I think of this particular season in life. There's a reason why the rearview mirror is the size and the shape and located where it is. See, the rearview mirror is designed for you to glance, not to gaze. The windshield is designed for you to gaze through. And what that tells us is that, listen to me, the things that are behind us are important, but we glance at those to get our bearings for the things that are before us and that God can use you greatly in this moment, in this time in your life. And I find that the framework that he gives for the reason why someone should be added to the widow list in Timothy, he gives this, and I just want you to catch this now. It says this, having a reputation for good works. And if she's brought up children, if she's shown hospitality to strangers, if she's washed the saints' feet, if she's, notice this, assisted those in distress, if she has devoted herself to every good work. 
And so I just find that you want to know the, the framework, the plan, the process, what God desires to do in your life in this season. I promise you, he has a great work. And ultimately, what that will do, the end of our passage, it will, re, it will bring reward from God and it will represent his word. Notice what he says at the end of verse five in Titus. He says this, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Now I want to close this morning with a little encouragement. See, I believe that worship is warfare. And I believe that when God seeks to engage in warfare, he wants to use you to accomplish this. And the way in which I know that is first and foremost what he was willing to do to be able to bring you into relationship with himself first. See, the good news this morning is that Jesus Christ, the Lord, wants to be the leader, the guider, the director. All the things that moms do whenever they love and they cherish and they encourage, th those are all things that he desires to be in your life. And the way in which I know that is because he was willing to go to the cross, lay his life down there, be willing to be buried, take it up on the third day in power and might and strength, and he dares you and he calls you to trust him with your life. And in doing so, in doing so, there's a whole lot of value that comes with that. And can I just share with you Hebrews 4 to just to tell you what type of Lord I'm talking about here? In Hebrews 4.15, it says this about our Lord. It says this, that he, he, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, with the things that we struggle with, the things that we think about, the things that we worry about, the sins that we get entangled in, the hardships that we go through. Notice this, he says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are said with me, yet without sin. Without sin. Now, there's only really one thing you should do, sisters, this morning because of that reality. There's only one thing you should do, and that's to draw near. Did you catch it? Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, I find that our Lord, no matter what season of life, no matter what dynamics family, no matter what struggle you face, no matter what pain, no matter what past hurt, no matter what future uncertainty, what I find is that he calls you to trust him, to be willing to set your life in him so that way he can guide you, love you, direct you, and use you for his glory. My question is will you be willing to surrender your life to him and allow him to fight this battle through you. Will you pray with me? Lord, we love you. And uh, we thank you for your word. And uh, this morning, Lord, I just thinking about my sisters this morning. And God, I pray for them. Because Lord, I know your word is clear that the enemy has not changed his mind about the desire to bring destruction. So God, I pray that Lord, one, they'll be willing to surrender to you. If there's anyone here, Lord, they've never given their life to you, Lord. Lord, they'll be willing to surrender to you. 
to allow you to work in their life and to live in and through their life. To know, Lord, that they don't have to be alone or to go through this life alone. Lord, I know that during this season, there are many things that come to our minds, whether it's our children, or their well-being, different things that God, they would understand that, Lord, they can draw near to you with confidence. And Lord, you will not turn them away. Lord, so many times, don't come confidently, already self-defeated. So I just pray you bring great encouragement through the power of your saving grace. Lord, I also pray for my brothers in the room that we would walk faithfully alongside our wives and faithfully alongside our mothers and grandmothers and our sisters. Encouraging them, Lord. That God, you would bring great encouragement and strength in this time. That you would bring help and hope and healing. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope God spoke to you during the message today. We want to know about it. You can fill out a connection card at wordbaptist.com slash connection card. We want to help you through any spiritual questions you may have while you're on this journey. You see, we believe that the first step is for a person to give their life to Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear that the greatest need that humanity has is to be saved and that the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. If you will agree with God, that you need him for the forgiveness of your sins and you will turn to him in repentance and believe in him, uh, you will be saved. The Bible says that you do this by one, believing that Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead and that you believe that his payment is sufficient for you, that if you will call out to him as Lord and Savior, he will save you. If you're listening to the service and do not have a church home, we would love for you to come and be our guest during a time of worship. We have multiple services. We would love to meet you personally and have you here for worship. You can check us out at wordbaptist.com for service times. If you've missed any sermons, they're all archived there online, so you can go back and watch them. You can connect with us on social media at Word Baptist. If you would like to invest in the ministry and continuing the spread of the gospel, you can give online at wordbaptist.com give. I'm so grateful that you've joined us today, and I hope you've learned something that you can apply to your life, and we hope to see you again next time right here at Word Baptist Church.